Hey everyone, my name is Adam Barfoot and welcome to episode 29 of the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast. I am a mental health therapist and I'm also a CrossFit Level 1 trainer. The Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast focuses on the integration of mental health and fitness. In this episode, I talk with Melanie Schmoyce, who is a high-performance life coach and she also works with professional athletes. I greatly enjoyed talking with Melanie in this episode about the power of fully experiencing emotions, the role of creativity in counseling, how counseling is an art, dealing with anxiety, the differences between guilt and shame, how the stories of our lives are sacred, and how emotions relate to our performance in life. I am now working in private practice as a mental health therapist at New Beginnings Counseling Center in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I enjoy helping my clients build resilience, hope, and courage in their lives. I work with teenagers and adults who are seeking to improve their emotional health, relationships, and ways of working through life's challenges. I particularly enjoy working with athletes who are looking to improve their performance. Improving our mental health directly affects our performance, whether we are on the court, field, in the gym, or our workplace. I believe that you are capable of great things, and I would love to be a part of your journey of healing and growth. If you would like to meet with me for therapy, you can follow the link to my Psychology Today profile in the description of this podcast episode, and you can call the phone number on that website to schedule a therapy session with me. All right, Melanie Schmoyz, welcome to the Counseling and Functional Fitness Podcast, and thank you so much for coming on today. I've really been looking forward to our conversation. My pleasure. Yeah, I've been looking forward to it as well. So tell us about a little bit about what you do for your work. Okay, so I do both one-on-one and small group coaching with, you know, I tend to attract high-achieving, mm-hmm. high-performing clients. They have something big going on, like they're in a sport or they have a, a big position in a corporate career, yet they're sort of feeling like something's missing. They sort of lost a little spark, little joy, little passion, and um, they tend to hire me, so we explore that and get that back. Hmm. Awesome. Is there a particular field that people are in that you work with or a particular sport? It's across the board. I um, tend to work more with basketball players, Mm -hmm. but I've definitely worked with golfers and snowboarders and, Mm -hmm. and, um, but for some reason, I think I've had a, a little niche with basketball players in my community. Awesome. Yeah, I... I'm getting into working with more athletes in my work as a mental health therapist and it's really a niche that I want to explore more and I'm glad we we have that in common of working with people who are high performers. It's it's really exciting work to get to do because I think especially with people who are athletes and people who are high performers in general, there can be this attitude sometimes of well, I don't need to ask for help. 
And so that's something that I really tend to encourage my clients with who, who are on that high performance side that, hey, awareness is the first step to change. And if we want to change something first, we have to be aware that it's going on and acknowledge and accept that it's going on. And then we can go to a place where we can change this area in our life that we, we want to change and improve in. Absolutely. And I think over the issue and you know both at the olympic level and the nba and i i'm really really happy to see that more and more athletes are coming forward and sharing their struggles with people mm -hmm. so what are some things that give you the desire and drive to do these things that you do in your life Great question. I love when you use the word desire. It sounds mm -hmm. so potent and juicy. Mm. You know, I think for me, it's kind of what you were alluding to. I think there's a lot of people that have success, but don't reach out for help because they're mm. thinking, you know, I have the house, I have the relationship, I have the career, but they're suffering kind of silently. Mm. And you know, I think I was, you know, one of those people back in the day. And so my heart really goes out to people that are suffering in that way. So that really lights me up. Mm -hmm. In the coaching realm, I love the ability to, to create programs and be really creative. Um, you know, it kind of brings out my creativity. Uh -huh. So that really gets me going. You know, I can create any kind of program I want and call in the people that really ignite me. So yeah, I just have a desire from the mental health side and from the creative. Mm -hmm intuitive side to help people that might be suffering kind of silently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I've, I've found that in my work as a therapist that there is actually a lot of creativity that goes into it. And I consider this work with my podcast as my art and because yes. it's, it's, it is a creative act and some people call it content, but I think that art and creativity is a is a better way to put it sometimes but with that with therapy with creativity in therapy i can ask one question with the client and i i can never predict where it's going to go and there's no in therapy there's of course no set list of questions that we ask that yes. that we hope that will bring people to to better self-image or self-realization or or insight or becoming as best that they can be so in my opinion therapy and coaching i'm sure too is a creative act of being being tactful in the questions that we ask and the things that we say because the something i say to one client might land very well and be very helpful but if i say the exact same thing to the next client i see it might not be that way so i've found that creativity is a big part of therapy and with with fitness coaching too i've been a coach at a few different crossfit gyms and it's not about saying the exact same thing to two different athletes to help correct their technique or their movement but it's about what will work best for this athlete right here right now 
or in therapy, what will work best, at least I hope, for this <laughs> this client right here, right now. So I like that you brought up the creativity piece because, um, yeah, that's something that I've seen as really prevalent and important in my work as a therapist also. Agreed, and it's kind of both, right? Like we mm -hmm. have a set standards and there is some science behind what we do but right. there's also an art and the relationship between you and another human being mm -hmm. is going to create something different you know across the board so mm -hmm. you're right i think it is an art and a bit of science as well because as you know we do like to study things in psychology and so yes yeah, so yes i think my work and your work there's this creative side that gets mm -hmm. um and i really like that yeah, and I think too that building relationships and building rapport with people is an art also with exactly. again there's not a set set of questions that that we can ask that hey this person hopefully these questions will help this person trust me but there's it's really an art and we I think it's really important to be creative because people want different things and in relationships, whether it's a personal relationship or a professional relationship of either therapy or coaching, that. So yeah, I think creativity, when we look for it, is there much more than if we don't look for it. I think that um, we see a lot of what we're looking for in our lives. And so I think that definitely applies to relationships also whether it's personal or professional exactly and it was even thinking as you were talking like the difference between an nba coach you know the coaching mm -hmm. styles mm -hmm. are so different and yeah same role but you know completely different i'm sure if you worked with a different coach it would feel mm -hmm. really different mm -hmm. yeah and with same thing with coaching those athletes some some athletes might need it more straightforward. Here is what you did wrong. Here is what I want you to do differently. This will help you and help our team. And others might need more of the, excuse me, more maybe emotional nurturing of the coach potentially showing empathy for the player. And then at the same time, helping them get back up on their feet, that kind of thing. And, and figuring out and helping that athlete move forward in the best way possible. Agreed. And I'll often ask some of my coaching clients, you know, what style do you prefer? Because some mm -hmm. people really do prefer that more confrontive mm -hmm. style and uh, the accountability piece is essential. And others really want that more softer, nurturing approach. So, um, yeah, and our ability to be flexible and adaptable based on our clients' needs. Mm -hmm. What is your starting point of your work with your coaching clients? Where do you tend to fall at the beginning oh, as a starting point? Great question. I often use the wheel of life or life wheel, some mm -hmm. people call it. And I like to start there and it's, you know, really about money, relationships, health, like really looking at the major aspects of someone's life and just really getting a, a baseline um, analysis of where they're at with that. Because often I feel, especially as we get older, we often don't take the time to do that mm -hmm. and really rate 
where we are in you know each of these areas and then you know based on what we come up with create a game plan or really prioritize you know where do we want to start is it a mm -hmm. health issue is it you know want to work on financial mindset and abundance and so that's usually my starting point mm -hmm. but often clients will come with a burning desire like this right. area of my life is really could use some attention and mm -hmm. we start there and it's great to have that honesty and vulnerability from whether it's therapy clients or coaching clients of this is what I'm here for and this is what I want to change rather than just kind of wandering around with um, more surface level conversations. Agreed. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you see this, but often what people do come in for is sometimes often what we don't end up right. talking about, like right. there's usually something deeper there. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm always aware of that. And, mm -hmm. and that comes back to the relationship, the trust between mm -hmm. the coach and the therapist and um, and I always approach my clients' issues with compassion and curiosity because you're right, it can be really vulnerable to, you know, talk about areas that, you know, are not as strong. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, too, how, well, like you said, with coaching or therapy, we'll, we will end up focusing on something that might on the surface seem very different, but as time goes on, clients may may talk about the deeper more root issues besides oh i'm i'm struggling in this relationship or i'm struggling with this specific area at work but as the relationship develops and that trust deepens that people will when when those kind of prerequisites happen people will dive into what's underneath the surface and and what's going on at a deeper level. Exactly. And, you know, human beings just want to be seen and heard. And mm. I think that's why therapy and coaching can be so powerful because oftentimes people don't have relationships in, the, in their life that they feel completely seen and heard mm. in a very loving light. So, mm. yeah, and yeah. It's, it's super powerful to be seen and understood even if it's just by one person that exactly that is an incredibly transformative part of relationship to experience absolutely really sacred and important you know we're mm. we crave connection as human beings so i think therapy and coaching can really provide a powerful way to do that mm -hmm. And something I see as deeply important and impactful and again transformative in my work with my therapy clients is that I really believe that people's stories are sacred and that when a, when a client might share with me something that they've never shared before, that I feel like I'm standing on sacred ground with, with him or her and that is so powerful to experience. Agreed. I remember a, a therapy professor of mine talked about how it is a sacred, like it kind of transcends time when mm. two human beings kind of mm. come together and talk about these issues. It, it is really sacred. And mm -hmm. 
and something that I've experienced also with my clients is that when a client explains something or or tells me about something that they might have never talked to anyone about before that I really take time to talk about the fact that we, we're talking about something that you've never talked with anyone about before. One, thank you for telling me. Two, I'm honored to be a person that can share this space with you right now. And three, before moving on to moving on from that and kind of going to a quick fix, just really taking the time to honor that space that that, that person and I are in. Yes, and I think to have somebody witness you at your highest light or with your highest potential in mind mm. is just so, so powerful. Mm. And and another thing is it can often, you know, diminish shame. You know, mm. sometimes we hold on to stories and things because we, we think people mm. couldn't take it. And then once we say it, you know, that shame can kind of dissipate because it's now out in the open. It's not hidden anymore. Shame mm. loves to hide. So sharing these things with some a trusted person mm. is really, really therapeutic. And with, with shame, and I'll explain kind of the difference between shame and guilt. Guilt being, I did something bad. And yep. so guilt being that, and shame being, I am something bad. And yes. shame thrives in the darkness, but it... it it shrinks and dissolves in the light. <clears throat> and that's something that can be so, again, transformative of, or that's something that can be so transformative about sharing our story with someone we trust is that, oh, maybe this doesn't mean that I'm too broken to love or or too broken for anyone to care about me. Maybe it means I'm a human and so and funny. that all humans struggle with with difficulty in their lives. So that's something that I think is is really a fantastic thing for me to get to experience in my work with my clients. Exactly. I completely agree with you. And man, you're making me want to go into therapy and get some coaching because it is <laughs> Just so, so powerful. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm glad that you and I share the sacredness of it, that we really, we don't take that lightly, mm -hmm. being on the other side of a client. Because mm -hmm. there are some people who just treat their job as a job, and it's nine to five or whatever it is. And, and it, but in my work as a therapist, I really see it as a calling. And it's who I am as a person. It's not just what I do from from eight to five. Of course, I have those boundaries about work, and that's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about my work as a therapist doesn't just live in my office when I'm with my clients, but who I am as a person is is deeply effective in my work. Um, and so it not just being a job or something from eight to five, but it's a, a calling in life. And I think that can be 
it, it deeply affects me because um, it's something that I see as much deeper than, oh, I'm going to work to do this thing. But with therapy, with the therapeutic relationship being the, the vehicle kind of, of healing and the, the most impactful part of therapy is the relationship that that's something that is very important to me also. I share that with you. I completely resonate with it being a calling mm -hmm. and not a job that we just hang our head up at the end of the day. So, mm -hmm. and having said that, like you said, to have really good boundaries and energetic mm -hmm. protection, and, right? You know, right? Because then that can really spill into our personal lives, but. I'm glad that we share the sacredness and the calling of, mm -hmm. of this work. And something that with with boundaries is that um, people will often ask me, how do you handle hearing people's painful stories all day? And how do you deal with yeah. that in your life? And I, I explain to people that me worrying about a client outside of our hour per week or hour every other week whatever it is that doesn't do them any good and it doesn't do me any good and but what I can focus on is while they're with me in my office I can help them as much as I can but like I said me me staying awake at night worrying about about someone doesn't do them or me any good and and also the about having strong boundaries. I mean, boundaries are very important in any helping profession, but also another thing that helps me is, is being the best therapist that I can be, whether that's reflection or reading or writing. Um, those things are all, all really important to me in my work as a therapist. Agreed, and I think that we have to have our high standards of taking care of ourselves right. really highly so that we show up mm -hmm. in the best way possible for our clients. And it's kind of what you were talking about with guilt, like guilt and worry to me are those emotions that can help if we are doing something wrong that is mm -hmm. not in integrity with us. Mm -hmm. But often we indulge in those feelings and they don't really help us move forward at all. And worry mm -hmm. can be one of those that it kind of really doesn't help us do anything. So mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. And so, yeah, taking care of ourselves, I think, is equally as important mm -hmm. as mm -hmm. serving our clients. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> um, and with self-care, but, and, and also what I tell my clients that helps me is I have a deeply fulfilling personal life. And because yes. I've heard of of some therapists who will get their kind of social interaction for the day or the week from their clients. And of course that is a boundary issue and just inappropriate in general, but having deeply fulfilling relationships and, and doing things that I enjoy with my time outside of work. 100%. And I think we share the fitness part, right? Like right. for me, a lot of what I get satisfaction and fulfillment is, you know, my workouts and the time I spend in and out of the gym mm -hmm. and the athletics. So 
Um, I think that's a big piece for me is like a lot of my therapy is mm -hmm. in my workouts. Mm -hmm. And something I definitely wanted to ask about today is, is how do you see anxiety pop up in your, your coaching clients and how do you help them address anxiety? Yeah, I think it's one of the most common topics that comes up inevitably with any client is mm -hmm. anxiety and it being such an intense emotion for people to, mm. you know, wrestle with. And what I really help my clients do is allow actively accept these big emotions like anxiety, because most people, myself included, want to run from it. Mm -hmm push it down, you know, just really, or sometimes even freak out about it. Mm. And nobody really taught me how to make space, make room for those uncomfortable emotions mm. and how to allow them, how to process through so that they didn't get the better of me and, and shut me down. And I just really realized with so many people, we weren't taught this as mm. children, you know, when you have this big, intense, what we label as negative emotion, mm -hmm. what do we do? And I, as a kiddo, I just sort of stuffed it or internalized it, pushed it down. Mm. And that held me back from some things because then I would avoid situations where I thought that that might occur. And so I really help, one of the cornerstones of my work is helping people actively accept, mm. allow big emotions like anxiety so that they don't ratchet up and turn into panic and turn into some mm -hmm. really intense um, feelings. Mm -hmm. Something about that too with with the acceptance that you mentioned is to accept that, okay, this is how I'm feeling right now and and trying our best to not be overwhelmed by that emotion. But I think part of being overwhelmed comes from trying to force ourselves to feel something different. And yes. that is not always, or might rarely be a helpful thing to do <laughs> because it we can, we can affect how we're feeling in a helpful way, but again, awareness is the first step to change, like I said earlier. And if we refuse that an emotion that we're having is really painful or we just try to run from it or numb it or whatever we specifically tend to do, that when we run from an emotion, it often just comes back and is scarier the next time we feel it. And we get in higher in intensity so mm -hmm. I've heard you've probably heard the beach ball effect that we can only hold the beach ball mm -hmm. in the water for so long before it pops up in a really big way and, mm -hmm. and I just think it's an essential skill to teach people mm -hmm. because you know then we're you know spending a lot of time running away from these emotions or making the environment so we don't have to to feel that way and control situations because we're not willing to feel those intense emotions. Mm. And I've often heard too that you can't selectively decide, oh, I'm not willing to feel some of these negative emotions mm. and then expect to feel the positive emotions in a really deep mm. way. So some of the benefit is like, hey, if I'm willing to feel anxiety, shame, embarrassment, irritability, the positive emotions are experienced 
in a deeper way the joy mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. love the exhilaration so it is kind of one benefit to allowing because that sometimes isn't doesn't sound really fun mm -hmm. it's like hey if i'm willing to feel the negative feelings i'll also get to experience the positive ones in mm -hmm. a really beautiful way because mm -hmm. i'm open to all of it now and willing to feel and giving ourselves permission to feel too because yeah. absolutely when we when we refuse to feel what hurts it's a lot well we're also going to have a lot more difficulty feeling what what we maybe desire to feel more of exactly mm -hmm. so it is a benefit to learning how to process the negative emotions you will be able to experience, you know, the pot, and I have that in air quotes because we as humans mm -hmm. kind of label these emotions as good or bad or positive or negative, but really mm -hmm. they're just emotions. Mm -hmm. But I have found that the more I'm willing to experience the difficult ones, I also experience the positive ones in a really deeper way. Mm. So I'll be like on a hike and like all of a sudden, like just kind of blissed out because I'm like, you know, just I've been really willing to feel all the emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and giving ourselves permission to be who we are and to feel what we feel. There, there's a quote from Carl Rogers, one of the the founders of what we know as therapy today. He says, "When I accept myself as I am, then I am free to change." Exactly, I love that quote. Mm -hmm. And if we're just denying what we're feeling or trying to constantly numb, then we're not just going to numb those painful emotions. We're, we're also going to not be able to experience joy and happiness and love as, as much as we might hope. Exactly. And I've seen this with people that have come out of recovery. Mm. When they're used to numbing out with alcohol, let's say, and then they're sober for a long time, they will tell me like, oh my goodness, like normal everyday life things mm. at first sort of seem boring mm. and mundane, but the longer sobriety takes hold, it's like, wow, a smile from my kiddo just really brightens my day or my mm. coffee in the morning. I'm so excited. But like they start to get those senses and those feelings kind of come back in a really mm. brighter way. And that's really exciting to see for people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and coming into a more, coming into a greater maybe acceptance of the present moment and coming into yes. experiencing life more fully. And what I mean by that is also experiencing emotions more fully. And I know that in, in recovery that there, there are a lot of tears and a lot of pain, but there's also a lot of joy to be found in changing our lives for the better. Yeah, and when I work with people on fulfillment, mm. you know, I think a misnomer is like, when I talk about fulfillment, it's really being able to be full of all of your emotions and mm. all of your internal landscape. Like mm. for me, it's like the fulfillment is knowing how to embrace all of it mm -hmm. and be completely, you know, accepting and listen, no one's perfect, but, you know, sure, really being right. able to be with and present all, with all of our emotions. Mm -hmm. And 
And it's not always easy. And I always tell people, too, that acceptance doesn't always mean that we like something or that we wish it happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But it's just acknowledging. <laughs> I was uh, had a major flight cancellation not too long ago. And it's like, man, how do I accept this? Mm. You know, because I did not want that to happen. Mm. But just really acknowledging the reality, what is, is. Mm. And how do I navigate all those emotions that come up? Hmm. And that tends to help people because I think sometimes people think, oh, I have to like something to accept it. Not necessarily. It's just acknowledging the reality hmm. of the situation. Yeah, and I think that's a, I'm glad you made that distinction. I think that's really important for us to know because it's not, oh, I'm happy that everything in my life has happened. It's not that. Life can be very difficult at times. Yes. And acceptance is not about not about just having positive thoughts toward every single one of our experiences but it it is okay this has happened in my life my response is my choice i cannot choose and i did not choose for this maybe difficult thing to happen to me but what i do with it from here on out and the person i become that is my responsibility and that's my choice. Yes, and I think that's a really tough thing that we're not taught again is how mm. to respond versus react to situations. Mm. You know, and even with this plane delay, like I really did see people lose their mind and start screaming and swearing mm. at, you know, the flight attendants. And it's like, what are my options here? Yes, mm. this thing happened that I really don't like but to your point what my choice is what are options mm. and what i didn't realize growing up is like there's a million different choices for every circumstance mm -hmm. i mean i don't know people could have broke out in song or all work together to mm -hmm. you know like there's so many options with every situation mm. but we often just get locked in that frustrated angry irritable one and we can't see past it mm -hmm. So I try to say that to myself, I'm not perfect by any means, but what else is available for me to think, feel, and act hmm. in this situation? Because hmm. you'll see, you know, with people do react and respond differently to the same circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's like, how can that be? It's their, you know, mindset, their ability to consider other options, other choices. Hmm. So that is a lot of the emotional mastery work is how do I respond to situations versus just react and mm -hmm. emotionally become unhinged. Mm. And something else that I wanted to ask about today is the, the concept of skill transfer. And yes. especially, especially as it relates to so in, in our sport or in the gym, we have strengths in, the, in, the, in our sport and in the gym, and we also have strengths in our everyday lives. And it's, it's often more difficult to see those, especially if we rarely ever think about what our strengths are. In, in therapy with my clients, especially early on, I'll ask, what are some of your strengths? And so many people, will say, I've never thought about that. <laughs> yes. And but they they can 
they can tell me all about what's not going well but then when we when I when I'll ask about what is going well it, it's harder to think of an answer for a lot of people and something that I talk with my clients often about is that yes we we're going to talk about things that are difficult but there is beauty in the world and especially with my approach to therapy a part of it being strength strengths based that mm -hmm. we can focus on using the strengths we have to address the problem that we are talking about so a question that I have for you how do you help people use the strengths that they have in their work or the gym or their sport how do you help people transfer those strengths to their lives outside of that specific area great question I think it's another hallmark or cornerstone of my work is really mm -hmm. saying hey you did this amazing thing over here how can we transfer it mm. into the personal life and I think for me I recognize that and I don't know if you share this Adam but I think that I got some of my I got uncomfortable and more comfortable getting uncomfortable in the gym. Mm. You know, I think there was this acceptance that like, oh, it's going to be hard. Like there's going to be moments in the workout, whether it's weightlifting mm -hmm. or a spin class where it's going to get really intense and I'm going to embrace that discomfort. Mm. And on the other side of that, I feel really good mm -hmm. and there's a benefit to it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. What if I apply that to my business mm. and to my, you know, being an entrepreneur? Like a lot of entrepreneurship is wildly uncomfortable and mm. putting yourself out there and dealing with uncertainty. And so I kind of transferred that skill from the gym of being uncomfortable and willing to be uncomfortable to my business. Because mm. often what stops us is us and our fear of feeling a certain emotion. Hmm. And so then I started doing that with my clients who are often fitness enthusiasts, gym rats mm -hmm. themselves. Like, hey, you're so used to getting uncomfortable here. Let, let's talk about maybe doing that at a speech at work or mm -hmm. being vulnerable in a relationship at home. Mm -hmm. Like, what if you took that risk over here? And it would be funny because I'd be at the gyms and I'd see these quotes in the gyms and I'd be like, oh, that's like applicable to life, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so I just really started to point out to clients kind of like what you do. Hey, you do that over here. Let's let's look at how we could do that in your professional life, in your personal life. Mm -hmm. And I really, people separate those two things or compartmentalize them. Mm -hmm. But when we kind of show them the bridge a lot of change can occur. Mm -hmm. And I I recently listened to a book called The Mindful Athlete by George Mumford and fantastic book about mindfulness and sports performance and he he has a well there's a part in the book where he says there is no difference between who we are on the court and off the court. And he works as a sports performance psychologist with a lot of NBA players, basketball players. So that's where he gets the on the court and off the court. But I think that's that's so important 
in that we do have those strengths, whether we're on the court or off the court, and and we can apply those strengths that we have in a area of our life that's going really well, those strengths that we have there, we can apply those strengths to areas in our lives where we are struggling and, and that can make a, a huge difference in our lives. Yes, and I don't know if you experience this, Anna, but a lot of athletes will say, why are we talking about feelings? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it almost like mm -hmm. doesn't make sense to them at first. Mm -hmm. But then when you start to point out like, hey, a lot of what holds you back in your sport is some of the thoughts that you're having and then the feelings that occur, mm -hmm. negative self-talk, for example, you know, how are you talking about yourself in the middle of that golf swing or that mm -hmm. basket? And then they start to really realize that, oh, so much of the sport involves emotions mm -hmm. and and to your point presence and mindfulness and being in the moment and not thinking about and being upset about the basket that they missed mm -hmm. a few seconds before that i read that michael jordan was really good at just always being in the present moment he mm -hmm. never thought about i shouldn't say never but rarely thought about the shot before mm -hmm. that he might have missed he was just the net he was just always present mm -hmm. and try to be in every moment every basket was a its own entity mm. and um i know if i missed three shots in a row it might be really hard to want to take that fourth one because right. i'd be worried about what if i miss again mm. and so i don't know if you see that connection with the feelings mm -hmm. in sports and yeah and the emotional awareness and emotional identification and expression is something that I focus on with a lot of my clients and I'll I'll tell my clients just in case they might <laughs> in case they might be wondering um, well Adam uh, why are we talking about emotions what does that have to do with me playing basketball or soccer yes. or football and and I explain well one everyone I believe can benefit from improving their emotional awareness and identification and expression, but also emotions impact our thoughts and our actions. So once we can be more aware of those things, instead of just being something that, oh yeah, I hope my emotions don't affect my performance today, or if I get really angry, then I'll just try to deal with it, or I'll, I'll just push it down, or, or, or I'll use it to run faster, or, or or hit someone harder if we're playing football, whatever it is. But using to leverage our emotions to our advantage instead of yes. them being something that holds us back or, or instead of us seeing our emotions as if they're an inconvenience and a, a hindrance to our performance. And something else that George Mumford talks about in that book, The Mindful Athlete, he says, life is available only in the present moment and mm. i i just think that's a fascinating quote about and and this is an idea i've been thinking about recently but right action can only be made in the present moment we we cannot control what we did yesterday we can't control right now what we're going to do tomorrow or later today but we can do the best we can 
to be present in this moment in order to be the best person we can. And we can also set ourselves up right now for success in the future. And the, the whole concept of making your future self proud is something that I've talked about quite a bit on the podcast and seeing where we are now. And again, kind of bringing all this together that we've talked about, acknowledging and accepting, okay, this is where I am right now. Yeah. And even if we're upset about that, being upset doesn't change the fact that this is reality right now. (laughs) And so being, so accepting where we are right now, visualizing and considering where we want to be in the future, whether it's later today or a week from now, a month, a year, five years, 10 years from now, and not just expecting to get there without doing any action in that direction to get there, but acting now so that in that time in the future, we'll look back and say, I'm proud of what I did that day, right then and right there. And so going through life with that that forward thinking of accepting where we are now, seeing where we want to be, and doing everything in our power to get there. Yes, with presence and gratitude mm-hmm. and and it's tough, especially when, you know, we do have a big to-do list and clients coming in and mm-hmm. businesses to build and mm-hmm. taxes to do and it's so easy to come away from that presence and that mindfulness. And I try to help clients that inner day to take some deep breaths Mm -hmm. to continue to come back to the present moment as much as possible and have some cues and some anchors to remember Mm -hmm. to do that because it's so easy to come away from it Mm -hmm. and um but you're right i mean i think to think about what actions we are taking and are they in alignment with what we say we want in the future Mm -hmm. to me that's what you know a lot of people talk about alignment Mm -hmm. To me, it's about our thoughts, feelings, and actions in alignment with what we say that we desire Mm -hmm. and want for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's no easy feat, but I think if it's something that we're intentional about, we will see that forward progress, that Mm -hmm. momentum. And all the feelings get to come with us. They don't get to drive the bus, but we can have this acceptance that fear might always be in the back seat Mm. but we're still moving forward we're not pushing it away or banishing it Mm -hmm. but it doesn't get to drive our behavior or actions Mm -hmm. yeah that that's fantastic i've i really enjoyed our conversation and and we can we can go ahead and wrap up there but i'd love for you to if there's anything on your mind as kind of a closing thought of what we've talked about today i'd love for you to end there what what's on your mind about that yeah this conversation um got really deep and i think a big takeaway is to have the listeners consider allowing all of the feelings Mm. giving permission and space for us to feel fear anxiety Mm -hmm. 
and creating a safe space for those emotions to land. And they will process through, you know, if we allow them to be there. And it's when we start fighting and numbing and running away from that it can wreak havoc on us. And, mm-hmm. um, and if you struggle with that, to reach out. Because, it's again, it's not something I wish was taught in schools. And, and some schools are doing that more and mm-hmm. more. But if you struggle with that, to reach out and get some guidance around it, because it can really be transformative. Mm-hmm. And and in wrapping up, where can where can people find you online? Oh, great! Yes, yeah, so I'm on Instagram, Facebook, website, all in my name. I'm sure my name will be in the show notes, but mm-hmm. just melanieschmoyce.com. Same handle on Instagram and in Facebook, and. Uh, yeah, if you want to do some individual or some small group coaching, I'm, I'm here for it. Awesome, Melanie. Well, thank you again so, so much for, for coming on. This was a great conversation. Agreed. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey everyone, hope you enjoyed the episode. You can follow along with Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. You can contact me by emailing counselingandfunctionalfitness at gmail.com or by messaging Counseling and Functional Fitness on Facebook and Instagram. See you next time.